Welcome to the About Violence Podcast. Um, so today's episode, we're going to be talking about surprising violence, but there are uh, a lot of different ways to go about it. One way that I think is really important about getting good at it is martial arts. Um, so we have Giancarlo Bedoni with us that um, just most recently won ADCC at 177 kilograms to become the world champion. Can we say world champion? Yes, you can. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, even if you said no, I'd be like, well, whoever said no is wrong. 177 kilos is a little high. Oh, 88 my, kilos. Yeah, 88 yeah, kilos. Yeah. <laughs> um, and not just one, but effortlessly won. It was, I think it was the most dominant performance in any of the divisions in the most competitive ADCC in the history of ADCC. Uh, Giancarlo, you have been a martial artist and a black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu competing at, uh, I think the highest level for quite a while. Um, are there other highlights of your career besides being devastatingly good looking, having beautiful eyes and speaking <laughs> of a variety of languages that I missed? Um, in terms of actual competition results, this will definitely, this is definitely the highlight. Um, of my career, and I think uh, this is kind of like the biggest milestone for me um, as far as just what it took to get to this point and, um, you know, all the different decisions I had to make and uh, and uh, just overall the entire process leading up to this point. I think this was like the biggest milestone. But obviously you could say that about any kind of big triumph, yeah. you know, in your yeah, career. Yeah, but like I mean, this is the Olympics of right. grappling. Yeah. And, um, and you could say this about any triumph – that's yeah. super humble of you, lame. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but like you literally just won gold at the Olympics and you yeah. dunked on everybody that you grappled with. So pretty, pretty rad. I want to talk about the process later. But next to me here, Travis Joyner. Hello, sir. Yes. Good to be here. Co-host, brilliant mind. Um, I think last time we were with you, we were talking uh, about Valde. Yeah, episode one, a little, little more serious, hopefully yeah. a little more lighthearted today. So we're not going to talk about kids dying today. Okay. <laughs> um, and in an effort of protecting kids, martial arts. That is that is the the point of this episode is what is the process to, to becoming good at this thing about being good at violence. Uh, Jordan Peterson, he has this beautiful quote that I butcher every time because I always make it so malleable to, to whatever I'm trying to say at the time. Essentially, uh, a good man isn't a man that's not capable of anything like that is... Um, I'm going to paraphrase a whole bunch of things and add in extra words. Like he's fat, he's lazy, he doesn't have any skill. He's not a he's not a good man. He's just a useless man. A good man is a man that has skills and has capabilities and has the capability to do violence, but doesn't. He has the control to use it only when necessary. You flip when necessary, a useless man that doesn't have any of those skills or abilities, and then heaven forbid he ever actually has to protect his or her family. He's just that. He's just useless. And that's a very frightening thing. Um, and I think it's something that's becoming more and more common in yeah. 2022. Uh, you are a black belt, a professional fighter, a law enforcement tactics instructor. Um, that's that one's you teach so many things, shooting hand to hand um, officer. Actually, you need to get me my hours. Still. Yeah, we've, we've got that. Ready okay. To go. I need to do that. Yeah. I have to have it done. Uh, I also found out it has to be like a post-certified person, yeah, not just a T-Cole person. Oh, okay. Well, that adds some more layers yep, to it. Some layers. Martial arts. How long have you been a martial artist? Um, I started doing martial arts, traditional martial arts at age five. So I started with karate. 
karate. Just uh, yeah, Shotokan karate. Okay, um, me too. Yeah. What about you? Taekwondo. Taekwondo. About that's a good one. Age, yeah. I did Taekwondo too. Yeah. After, um, just like as an after school like thing, yeah. like my parents yeah. just put me in it just to have an activity. Um, and did I always... they really just put you in it, or were you the person that had to be? Because I was put into martial arts, not just to be put in it. It was to prevent me from probably going to jail at six. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, for me, I was always. Like, I'm a pretty low-key, like, calm person. That was always my personality, even as a kid. Yeah, me so too. For, for whatever reason, yeah. mm. um, I was always drawn to martial arts more so than any other sports. Like, my my de- my parent, uh, my parents never did martial arts, so they, I don't come from a martial arts background. Mm. They put me into martial arts. I always liked it. I don't remember being super drawn to, like, karate or taekwondo when I did that. But I remember when I found jiu-jitsu, it was just immediately I was drawn to it. Yeah. Um, so for whatever reason, jiu-jitsu and grappling was always um, something that I was just immediately drawn to. And, like, I guess in a sense, like, uh, kind of addicted to. Like, I just couldn't get enough of it. Um I did other sports, but I always fell off when I did other sports. Like, if I played, like, a ball sport, I would do it for, like five or six months and it was kind of like uh it wasn't something that i was very like interested in i didn't really see um a whole ton of it just didn't grasp me the same way that martial arts grasped me for whatever reason um so i've been a a martial artist you can say since about age five yeah yeah did you ever play any ball sports see yeah i'm just like him i did i played baseball i played football i played basketball but the team aspect of it just never you yeah. made to drop this double me. shot of espresso on top of my cappuccino i yeah. think it's like an individual responsibility <laughs> thing too like in martial arts i'm responsible for if i win or lose or how good i am and all that i don't have to i like working with people but it has has more accountability on yourself yeah that is my favorite moment in any thing about life is what happens on the mats at the end of a win or a loss, whether it's wrestling, judo, jujitsu, there's you and your opponent and one of you won. Mm. There's nobody to pass the buck to. There's nobody to, to shift blame to one person's hand is raised and the other person's hand stays lowered in defeat, shame, and humiliation. There's, there is such an onus of responsibility to you as the individual how much work did you do, put in You're like what mistakes did you make on the mat all of that just falls on you and that is the, that is the most beautiful thing and what an unknown fact in special operations grapplers perform better in most team measurements than any other athlete that there is wrestlers huh. Yeah. Wow. They just have this thing where like they know they have to be the contributor. They obviously are going to be in shape, but they also have been put to the deepest, darkest depths of the ocean and have tried to been drowned there, but they're still up. Yeah. So like they know how to exist in that, in that pain and suffering. So they get there like, oh man, this sucks. I've been here before. Yeah. Oh man, I hurt. I've been here before. And they just keep on keeping on. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm uh, naturally very competitive, more more so with myself, but just in general. So for me, like if I was on a team and the team lost, like I just wouldn't give a shit. But if I was in a grappling, even in a training session, like even as like a like a teenager and I like lost in training, I obviously see it differently now as like I'm a professional, but yeah. I would just be furious. Like if I lost in a competition, I'd just be furious. Yeah. And I just wanted to like go back and 
like train harder or like beat whoever. I didn't see any of those moments this morning though. No. As I was sitting there shooting you, it looked yeah. like you were dunking <laughs> on everyone. <laughs> I had a. What y'all do this morning? Well, we. I mean, I have a pulled hamstring right now, so mm-hmm. I was um, doing no posterior chain, and I was watching him just like smash everybody. But I had a cert gun, not cert gun. I um with a yeah cert gun. Yeah. And I was just like. So that, another example of that too is like so what, you uh, you had that gun and then like I picked it up and I'm shooting it at the wall and he's like making fun of the fact that it's like going all over the place oh, and me I'm like driving home and I'm like fucking Tim Kennedy thinks I have a shitty trigger <laughs> squeeze I'm like I gotta work on my trigger yeah. squeeze it I'm wasn't like, just yeah. me it was yeah. all of us yes. that saw yeah. your trigger squeeze it's, only, <laughs> it's just one more thing to master yeah. yeah but one more thing to master like you you, you obviously haven't put any intentionality or time into that yet but and it falls in the same kind of realm as yeah. martial arts like as but you have in martial arts and um, we should do a graphic here I'd be like, what are some things that martial arts help you with? Self-confidence. Yes. Makes you bulletproof. Yes. Helps you with focus. Yep. Helps you have, um, deal with mental health and depression. Yes. Helps with fitness. Yes. Like all these fantastic things that martial art does, martial arts do, um, in 2022 where kids are fat, mental health, suicide, record levels, bowling record levels. Um, do you know any like real martial artists they're assholes Mm. my viewpoint on that is that when you start to get good at something and you start to develop a power it's a decision so whatever person says let's say for example you encounter you, you start um you start getting involved into martial arts later in life and maybe you were like you know kind of a shitty person prior to that there's a decision that you as an individual makes when you ha- start to possess a skill and especially a skill that's as powerful as martial arts or uh whatever it is weapons training or whatever the case may be where um dependent upon what type of person you are you could use that power for good or for bad and i think it depends upon a lot upon your background and also the culture and the people that you're around whether or not you choose to use that as like an influential tool or mm-hmm. you choose to use it to boost your ego and just make you even more of a douchebag. Yeah, I, I think power and money yeah. just give you the opportunity to become whoever you already were. Right. You know, and like uh, what I love is, you know, if you walk out to our mats, if you're on John's mats, you know, if, if it's, it's, there's a forging process yeah. where usually the, the the jerks just kind of fall to the wayside right like that guy that's out there and hurting people yeah. like guys like you and me we're obviously going to be double tab double teaming that dude back to back rounds you know until he throws up and leaves the mat and never comes back you know, that's what we'll do yeah um to and we, we mat enforcers yeah yeah it's a real thing it is a real thing but it's also a cool thing because it's a self-correcting yeah you're sending a message that that behavior is not okay but the message is sent in a violent way. <laughs> yeah. It's true. It's really rad. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Again, another magical thing that happens on the mats. For my old coach, John Hackleman from the pit, he has this really cool kids program mindset about not letting anyone ever be able to take your lunch money. And um, like if you want to buy somebody lunch, they were downtown Austin. There's lots of people that need their 
lunch bought for them. And I consider myself a good person and I like to help out whenever I can. It's a different thing when somebody's like, Hey, give me money. Right. And, uh, no matter how bad I wanted to help a person, there's zero chance I'm going to help this now about to be messed up, broken faced pool of blood. Um, and like this ability again, I'm not incapable. I have the ability to do violence, but I get to choose when and where to use it. I want to help. I want to give as often as I can, but I'm not going to let anybody ever take my lunch money with cyber bullies and, um, mental health in 2022. Let's just talk kids from seven to 17. Where do you think martial arts plays a role in all of this? Like we, we have a problem right now in this generation, a very dangerous problem. And I see that problem existing less frequently with martial artists. Yeah. Um, for kids, especially like that age group, it's less so about the, um, actual ability to like the actual skill and like the ability to fight, which is obviously a byproduct, but just the fact that you possess that skill, it gives you a sort of sense of self-confidence where you, the way you carry yourself through life, um, you run into less problems, I feel like. Um, and on top of that, in my opinion, one of the most valuable skills that you learn from martial arts training is accountability and discipline or consistency, however you want to look at that. Um, cause you're never going to see progress if you're not, if you don't have those, those two things. Um, so that's one of the most valuable, I think, tools for any person at a young age, getting older and then working their way through life on their own. If they can harness those skills, those skills at an early age, it'll carry with them for the rest. Even if they don't train martial arts later in life, you know, you want to be a lawyer and you have hard work, discipline and consistency. You'll become a lawyer. You want to be a doctor. You have hard work, consistency and discipline. You're going to become a doctor. You want to become a world champion and you have hard work, consistency and discipline. You're going to become a world champion. Um, Timing does, does play into it. But the characteristics that are shaped and forged on the wrestling mats, um, like these are things that are carried into the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. In a really, really cool way. And like you, you can take a step back and I, I, I argue you could give me a po- like a sample population. Give me give me a thousand people. And um, do you think that you could pick out of the thousand people in their moments, not just their ears? You know, not just their shoulders, not just their hands, but like how they behave in their pattern of life. And you could pick out grapplers. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, martial artists in general, anybody who, who, who dedicates at least a portion of their life to developing a skill um, that is in within that realm, uh, you could you could you could see just the way that they carry themselves. Another thing, too, that I think it helps you develop is there's a certain when you're doing a physical com- combative sport, there's a certain degree of obviously you know mental fortitude that you need to possess in order to kind of go through and that's something that you can develop but it's also it you can develop that but it's also kind of individual everybody's going to be born with their own kind of degree of how far they're willing to like push themselves but with jiu-jitsu specifically i think the ability to teaches you how to problem solve that also carries through 
into the rest of your life. Like you're constantly being, um, you're constantly having different problems thrown at you. Mm -hmm. And depending upon obviously, you know, your gym culture and how you're brought up, but there's a certain degree of that, which is going to naturally and organically through your training going to rub off on you and your ability to just kind of solve problems and see them before they're happening. And like that also is another thing that will carry through, um, in my opinion, to just life in general. Yeah. It's like Problem a spidey solving. sense, too. I don't know. And like you said, obviously, there's the things you know, like, okay, I see their ears, I see their knuckles, I see the scar tissue. But there's other people you look at and you're just like, yeah, I don't, I don't know why I know you train, but, yeah. but I do. I can yeah. tell. I can see them walk. Yeah. Just like how they, I don't know, some intangibles to that. Yeah. It's, it's very, it's very recognizable. And, and it's also like if I'm in a restaurant, I see a guy get up and I walk to the bathroom, I'm like that guy's useless. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Um, I could beat him to death with this napkin. You're sizing everyone up. I mean, you naturally you, like look at. And you everyone. see another guy get up, and you're like, I don't know what's up with that dude. Yeah, he might be a problem. Yeah, <laughs> a problem. That dude. Not like a weird Jason Bourne way, where it's like, uh, I've memorized every license plate on the parking lot. I know I can run flat out at this altitude for four minutes. And the best place to find a gun is the back. You're like, not like that. But you just, you know. Yeah. You know that that guy's going to be a problem. Yeah. You know, like I'm going to hit that guy with a chair. And like yeah. we always talk about, if you pick up on that, bad actors and people that, you know, are maybe looking for an easy victim, they're going to pick up on that too. For sure. Better than, I mean, yeah. We're really good at it because we've, our lives have been, have, our ability to live have been decided whether we recognize something early enough or not. Um, they have been, when I say they, the evil actors, the the potentially violent predators, they have been doing that their whole entire lives. Yeah. You know, they, they started at a very young age having to do it, whether in the group home or um, on the street after they'd already been kicked out, um, after, you know, their insert, whatever bad socio um, society Ish. hand was dealt to them. Now, 20 years later, they're a dangerous trained person that knows how to n recognize somebody that is good and somebody that is not good, somebody that is capable and somebody that's incapable, somebody that's skilled, somebody that's unskilled. They're not going to look at Giancarlo and be like, I think I could take that guy. They'll be like, not making eye contact with him ever. So how do we get more people to do martial arts? How do we get question. people on the bandwagon? Oh, wait, hold on. I have to stop them from stealing my stuff. Um, yeah, I think... Don't steal all that stuff yet. Don't steal any of it. Some of it is actually... I have to go through it. Uh, I, guys. I think it's, um, you know, a grassroots level, again, building up the community around you, the people around you. I can see Justin Jones going through like my mystery ranch back, which has all of that stuff in it. He's like, oh, look at this Patagonia multicam. The only time that that was ever issued was to, anyways. Trying to jack your stuff. His mind is up like a buffet. I didn't do it. Yeah. Observation. Do you see that? Situational awareness. Yeah, that was good. Justin Impressive. Jones, a thief, a Marine. <laughs> Never leave anything out, out that is nice. That's when there's Marines around. Um, what about, I, I say this, that grappling's a superpower. And I mean that for law enforcement. I mean that for entrepreneurs. I mean that for everyone, because it not only shapes the way that you think, it's the way that you view doing work, 
how you view community and the people around you, how you view yourself. Um, but if you do anything that involves any physicality, you are put in uncomfortable positions all the time in such frequency that it becomes commonplace. Like that uncomfortable is not comforting, it's familiar. Yeah. So then no matter what you go out and do, you're used to that feeling, feeling of discomfort. That's a really weird abnormal. Do we understand how abnormal it is? Yeah. Like we're three black belts. We've yeah. been doing this for most of our entire lives, mm -hmm. but that is not a normal thing when you, when like you could go a half a mile in any direction from here in suburbia world and there is a minivan and there is a four bedroom, three bath house and both adults in that house have in very few instances ever been truly uncomfortable. Yeah. And voluntarily put into discomfort. Yeah. Probably never. Yeah. That's what I was thinking too, because as the more and more you get into, uh, martial arts and as you grappling specifically, like for example, like today or just on a, any given day, I'm trying to, when I train, put myself in the worst possible positions as much as possible. Um, just so that I know that when I go out and I compete, if I ever get put into a bad spot, I've been there a million times before and I know exactly how to get out. Um, so it, it just becomes to the point that you're willingly putting yourself in those bad situations just to reinforce that. That's, that's the wild thing I'm talking about. Like you yeah. are consciously voluntarily yeah. putting yourself in a, like a position that if you don't know what to do, could blow your arm out. Yeah. Could blow your knee out. You could get strangled unconscious. Yeah. And you are choosing to be put there, and 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 not just with like some random wipeout. We're talking about some of the best athletes in the world. Yeah. In, in the sport, you are sharing the mat with. Um, yeah. Exactly. Seeking out discomfort. I mean, yeah. most people go throughout their lives just taking the easy path. The, you know, the little sign where like the martial arts and the people and the hard choices and all the people are lined up going this way. Yeah. I pity them though. Yeah. Like I pity them because what a life of boring, like what a life of, bo of a boring existence in, in a spectrum of experiences. We have this pain, suffering, discomfort and extreme pleasure, um, ecstasy, elation, and we toy and slide on the spectrum up and down all the time, right? Like how good did it feel to have your hand raised yeah. and to hear your name as the world champion? Yeah. So that's pretty good. Yeah. That's what I was going to get to too, is like you kind of, um, you do that. There's no sense of fulfillment without that prior. Like you can, you can have things in life, but if there's no like struggle beforehand, there's no sense of fulfillment. Like it's not satisfying, at least to me personally. And I think you as well. Um, like you need that prior to and when you know you're going out like for me this was one of the first times that i experienced this at this at that level like i've gotten in, i've gotten into tournaments before where i was like excited to compete because i knew i had trained so hard and i just wanted to go out there and achieve what i'd set out to achieve but it got to the point at adcc that i was had so much ecstasy even prior to the event like i remember we did the way insert uh, the uh, bracket reveal the day before and i'm like driving home and i'm like tomorrow's gonna be fun like, I'm just like, yeah, I cannot freaking wait for this. Like, cause I knew like what it took to go, what it took to get there and like the training camp and all that, 
um, stuff I've that we never, talked about. I've professional athlete for 17 years, yeah. you know, f- multiple world titles. I have never seen a grappling training camp like what you guys did for ADCC. Yeah, it was hard. That was, <laughs> I can only imagine. Not, I mean, not is nothing, not, not, not at Jackson's, not the pit. This, it, this was next level. They, I mean, six hours a day on a mat. Yeah. Two, two hard sessions a day, um, workouts, um, you never know even how long the sessions are going to be. Like sometimes it'll be two hours, sometimes it'll be three hours. And you just don't know what John's going to throw at you. So yeah. it's just kind of like you got to show up and you just got to be willing to do whatever, whatever there has to be done that day. And mentally, I think that, you know, probably speaks a lot to the mental toughness that a lot of people on the team have, because when you set your own training, it's like, okay, yeah, I know that I only have this long yeah. or this many reps to do. Yeah. So it's easier mentally to get through it. Yeah. Like when you don't know where the finish line is, I that, think, that's a whole nother level. Yeah. I think uh, making that commonplace is so important too. Like I don't, I, I got into the point now where like I try in the past, you try to kind of motivate yourself or get yourself into a zone or with me, I, I want to be able to just do anything on any given day and I show up to a practice or a training session or a training session or a competition. And it's just commonplace. Like I don't have to prepare myself mentally to do that. That's just, that's just the baseline. Yeah. You know what I mean? So. And, and that baseline is so wildly high. I think it's it's incomprehensible for a, a, a regular, normal person. You know, I mean, they work out three days to understand what your baseline is. Um, one one of the reasons I thought that we we know so many martial artists. We work. I mean, like that's black belt. That's black belt. That's a brown belt. That's a black belt. Um, just just this office, and. But you're at you're at a level right now, like you're the t- you're the point, you're the tip of the spear in martial artists, and I think taekwondo and and karate and um, kung fu, they're everybody's looking at jujitsu right now. With uh, is that real martial arts? Like the old, we're a very traditional school here, but the traditional especially the, the, the Orient arts, the Japanese arts, the Korean arts. Do you, do you think that they have like a distaste? There's limitations. That, that to grappling them. stuff? Yeah. Uh, the, potentially. Um, I could definitely see that. I think there's like limitations to them too. And they it's especially like with the early UFCs, you just saw the weaknesses. So you never see um, that kind of mix like you don't see those traditional martial arts intermingle or compete against uh like submission grappling uh, today and just so we're clear and everybody knows those people are not prohibited from competing yeah any one of those martial arts are able to compete in mixed martial arts yeah um but they don't make it out of the farm leagues yeah Yeah. they don't they don't even make it to original a regional competition so you kind of have like really low level we call them farm leagues where not even regional but like in a city there might be you know in miami there there might be a promotion that really just runs events in miami and then you have like the southeast regional where you know like whether it's king of the cage or you know it's going to be like a regional um organization and then you have the the national organizations that are not quite you know the tier one you know the ufc Pride, Strike Force, Bellator, one of any any of those that are international. Mm-hmm. 
those martial artists coming from the 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 wackadoodle martial arts never make it anywhere because it's not real i drive past like like um those kind of dojos i think also there's there might be have been some legitimacy to them like maybe certain techniques or whatever that you could you could apply um, but if you look at how watered down it is too like i'll drive past just like a random dojo of some traditional martial art and the guys that's teaching it has like a gut like out oh, to here yeah. and it's like dude can you imagine like this guy can't even throw a front kick let alone teach kids how to like yep. you know where where is the do correlation as I say, not as yeah. i do so yeah you got to be able to prove it too you know when you know we, we have thousands of people come through the doors whether it's sheepdog response or or grace you might hey i'm going back to my my home area what gym should i be training at and we have some really cool indicators you know lineage is important um the frequency of people within the, in the gym competing um the like you could just and i also tell them just look at your professor just look at him is he fat does he could he do any of the things that he espouses yeah. you know like if, if, if it's no to any of these, no, they don't compete frequently. Um, no, my professor is fat and um, not even old. I'm, I'm not like, could a 60 year old be an amazing, like, we could look at John. Yeah. Like how often could John go out there and, and do what you or Gordon does? Yeah. No, you know, he's, he's every which way broken. Does that mean that John is not one of the best, if not the best grappling instructor on the planet right now? Yeah. Absolutely not. Like, the guy is the best yeah. and his, his, is in the performance of the athletes is, is, rep is showing that. So you, I think you have to take them in the totality and the collective of what does it look like from McDojo gym compared to a real martial arts school? Yeah. What, yeah. what are you looking for? Uh, yeah. And I think that depends on what your goals are too. So like, I'm, I'm dad. I'm, I'm a dad. I got, I got two little girls and two little boys, Travis. Um, Hey, I just moved to, uh, El Paso. Yeah. Um, I'm, I've got a couple of kids that I think would really be into into the grappling thing, and I have some that really need like the discipline. And I think like a traditional martial arts would would really do great for their character. What should I look for when I walk into a, a gym? So I think you can find those same benefits in a jujitsu gym. I so concur. I, I could look there. Um, you hit on it, lineage, right? So the instructor, what are their credentials? Um, environment everyone likes a little bit a different environment some people want very structured training some people want a more relaxed like we hang out and talk type environment so find a gym that matches like your pace and flow for how you want to train um look at the reviews now and you know everyone's going to have like the pissed off customer that writes a bad review but but look at the reviews talk to the people and see is this like a good family atmosphere that i want to be in do they have shady business practices things like that is it and clean? then yeah does are, it, are there tumbleweeds of of leg hair and armpit hair and chest hair that are hanging out in the corners of the mats you know do you see mold next to the wood and also like you said do they do some type of live training right i mean at the end of the day like whatever the martial art if they're yeah. not doing any type of pressure testing or live training yeah. um then it's probably going to be limited how effective it is so when, when we teach courses uh one of the things that when we're talking about martial arts, we say that you have to be able to test your technique against a fully resistant opponent. And that's the thing that separates real martial arts in my mind to all other forms of martial arts. Judo, absolutely. 
Jiu-Jitsu, absolutely. Wrestling, absolutely. Greco, absolutely. Um, Sambo. Yeah, Sambo, absolutely. And th th there, there's a long list of boxing, Muay Thai. Um, but then you get to, like, the Krav. No, no. Like, you don't get to do the, 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 the testicle drop-and-pull technique against a fully-resistant opponent. You know, you don't get to do the throat, throat chop, you know, or, like, the wrist break or, like, the, 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 the weapon disarm. And I'm not... I, I'm, I know it sounds like I'm throwing stones and I don't understand Krav, but I do. I've been to many of them. We have tons of students that come in before we convert them, before they realize that it's charlatan practice. Um, but, but there's a lot of those. And there are great traditional martial arts that have been, you, you said, watered down or diluted. Yeah. How do we, uh, how do we prevent that in jujitsu? That's the question. Yeah. It has happened. Yeah. We, 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 I, I, there, are, there are two. So did you know this? I have um, my, my first real belt was in Japanese jujitsu. Mm -hmm. I've so, heard of this. Yeah. yeah. So like... Taikariyakia jiu-jitsu. Okay. We swords, sticks, um, like bow staffs, eskrima sticks, knives, uh, wrist locks, leg locks. I mean, all of it striking. And it was truly pure OG jiu-jitsu. Um, we would have scored stick fighting matches as part of your belting promotion process. You would have, um, you had to, um, we even had katas to demonstrate knowledge yeah. of, of required techniques per belt. Yeah. And by the time we get to Japanese jiu-jitsu in 2022, there's been this like divergent. You have true exclusive sport jiu-jitsu, and then you have um, the, the blend of the traditional with the sport application. The genesis of the sport was a fully resistant opponent. I want to be able to see who's the best at these things. And that became the, the sport wing of, I want to see who's under this restrictive rule set, who is the best. And there's lots of different rule sets from combat jiu-jitsu to the Eddie Bravo Invitational to the ADCC to the IBJJF to the PAN. All of them have like grappling classics, mm -hmm. slightly different rules. And they're all great and they're all fine. Um, could you take... A Giancarlo or a Gordon and then bring them over to here and drop a brick on the mat and be like do your t techniques still hold water yeah yeah absolutely they absolutely do like is there a big uh, overlap between the techniques that work exclusively here that would also work over here yeah so I think we still have a really cool martial art uh, a martial arts system that works both in like the combat lethality self-defense realm um, there are some shenanigans there are some lame jujitsu techniques in the self-defense thing there are bad jujitsu techniques that should not be used in self-defense um, you know but like an armbar is going to work to get a gun out of somebody's hand yeah you know Overall, just learning how to like control another human being and manipulate their limbs and back to a superpower. Right, exactly. 
the well, power that you have over the seven billion people that walk this planet, yeah. that you can put your hands on them, and there's nothing that they could do to stop you from doing what you want to do to them. Yeah. Well, that's wild. That's like Superman stuff. It's yeah. like we always say in the in the courses. You know, if, if I have a talented grappler, a high level fighter come in. Like adding these isn't easy because they already know how to fight, yeah. right? So then you add weapons in and it's like, that's the easy part versus someone that doesn't know how to fight, getting them up to that level of proficiency to be able to fight and control a weapon takes a lot longer. Yeah. There, there is a, a weird learning curve. Um, we're in Virginia or like New Jersey, Yankee land, Northeast. And um, we had a couple of black belts that, he, he, he like inverts underneath me. I have a gun and he's trying to do a leg lock. And I'm, I'm literally just like <laughs> tapping his forehead with the barrel of the gun. And he was, he was working so hard. I, you know, I keep stepping around and he's still trying to get a good angle to finish this leg lock. And, and he like was in this sensory overload, almost like ocular exclusion where he wasn't hearing anything. And it was un until I was like tapping him just in, in the face with the barrel of a blue gun where he looks up and he's like and then I like connected that he had to do jujitsu different. Yeah. He still knew how to fight. Yeah. You know, but that that initial learning curve of okay, well what do I do here? What's the where's the, the threat goal. coming yeah, from? Like yeah. he's thinking about something totally different when the threat is just completely yep. completely different threat. So your priorities are different for sure. Yeah. It changes too, like even just in sport jiu-jitsu, you mentioned like different rule sets, like your priorities are different dependent upon the rule set. Well, now you introduce weapons and combat and you the, 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 the playing field is so much wider that if you don't know, right, it's that initial learning curve, like you have to really be able to prioritize like, okay, where, where should I, where should my focus be? Um, that's kind of an obvious one, though. If a guy has a gun, like yeah. you should really be thinking about the gun. Like, well, just the awareness. Yeah. Like you said the awareness of, of what's going on. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I just told Joey, uh, and I actually meant to tell you uh, either this week or next week. Tell everybody in a gi class just to bring a hoodie or a collared shirt to their gi class. Okay. And uh, like, do all of my chokes with a gi still work with a hoodie or a collared shirt? Hell yeah, they do. You know, like I can do, can I do a loop cho lo choke with a hoodie? Yeah. Yes. You know, can I do a collar choke with a V-neck? Yeah. Yes. Um, I mean, I can almost do it with a t-shirt sometimes, depending on. If you roll it up right. Yeah. You know, especially, you know, you bundle a little bit of it in your hand. Yeah. Yeah. I need a little yeah. to get extra grip on them. It tears though. So, yeah. But it like, depends, you can definitely, depends on the shirt. Like, that will, that'll choke you. He's good. Yeah. I believe it. You'd have fun with him. Yeah. And he's, he's Tim always sets me up to get killed. Dude. He's <laughs> like, yeah, Travis true. is really good. He's <laughs> really good. You are really good. <laughs> yeah, it'll be fun. Yeah, it'll be good. Oh, I mean, I want to be here for it. So we have to wait at least one more week. I'm I'm babying this this hamstring. Just look at this stupid tatami mats at Shonji's. Oh yeah. He won't let us wear wrestling shoes, and um, oh man, it's uncomfortable. Gotta wear spats. I was wearing spats. Or a knee pad. Oh, yeah. yeah. I don't know if he'd let us. Yeah. He he's wouldn't, a, he's he wouldn't let you wear knee pads? No, I mean, there's no um, no shoes. Like, there's no wrestling stuff. Okay, yeah. It's like pure jujitsu. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But it's a, like, we're li I'm literally teaching wrestling. <laughs> it's like Sean Apperson and I take turns. Um, you're gone on Friday, right? 
Uh, no, I'm here. You're here? I'm here this Friday, yeah. Are you going to play with us in the car? Sure. Can you know what we're doing? Yeah, let's do it. Y'all doing car jujitsu? We're doing car jujitsu. Nice. That's Have cool. you watched I've only, I've only seen it on the internet. I've well, never... we're going to do it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's going to be uh, it's gonna be Chris, um, Joey, me, Giancarlo, and so it'll just be six black belts. Yeah, that'd be sick. Like, I'll... you're just going to roll in the car, or, like, you're just practicing? It's like, how, how deep are we going with this the first time? So we're going to, like, start in the, like, there. you're the passenger and you're being kidnapped. Okay. Um, then we'll flip it where it's, we're trying to kidnap you. The vehicle is there and we're trying to get you into the vehicle. Mm. Another one is, um, you're like an Uber driver and a passenger in the back seat then decides they want to take control of the car. Um, then we'll do, uh, some weapon stuff in there where, uh, like you're sharing and whoever does this. And I don't know why you'd ever do this. I realize economics are, are tough these days. But let's just say you're you're doing one of those Uber rides where you pick up a person that you don't know that's in route to the place that you're going to. Yeah. What are those called? Rideshare. Like ride, uh, yeah, rideshare, I think, yeah. or something, something like that. Yeah. yeah. Hard pass on yeah. me. I'll pay the extra three dollars. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and uh, stranger next to you is like, "Hey, I want what you got," and they have a weapon. So that that's gonna be like the okay. that's the short list. All the scenarios. Yeah, yeah a, f- a few different scenario fights inside of. Uh, Look at that. Is like the car being driven? Track, yeah. That's from my buddy Jason. Did I get that through uh, soft body armor? Mm, is it metal or plastic? It's metal. Yeah, it probably would. It'd go about to right there. We can try it. We can bring some. Yeah, definitely going to try this. We. <laughs> I like where your brain's going. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that's that's happening Friday. Um, what's uh what's what's next for you? Uh, EBI on not this coming weekend the weekend after in el paso and then i have a match i don't know when this will be released but it'll probably be after yeah it'll probably be after my match so i'm having a a match on who's number one sick yeah okay um i don't know what happened with you and i'm not saying that i could hang with you when you first got here but like i felt like we had really really good roles and i never was like holy crap, I don't have a say in this. I felt I always had a say. Then about three months ago, I felt like I didn't have a say anymore. And it was, that was the fastest and most rapid acceleration of somebody in a fight camp getting ready for something specific that, I mean, I've seen, you know, John Jones and George Sapierre and Brian Stan and and Cowboy, you know, peaking for fights. This was something else. This Mm -hmm. was... Like you not just turned a corner, you turned a corner and accelerated at a rate that I, I have very rarely seen a martial artist or an athlete do. You want to talk a little bit about your process? Um, I know that's a broad question. Yeah, no, a lot of people have mentioned that. Um, so where do I start? Let's say uh, this Friday, it's actually my birthday, and that will be exactly one year to the day that I moved to Austin. I was living in Boston prior previously. I drove from Boston to Austin on my birthday, landed here like in the morning and went straight to practice. So that was my first practice. Um, so we're almost at exactly a year. So in that year, um, I had doubt, like trained a little bit with the guys uh, prior to that, um, mostly John and Gordon, um, when they would come up and film and do their things. Um, 
and I was going to join the team before that when they were in Puerto Rico when Gordon Gordon had actually invited me to join the team prior to that but I had other I was teaching had other obligations but I really wanted to pursue um, a career particularly in no-gi because I saw kind of where the sport was heading and I was like okay I should kind of you know like like with anything you got to see where the market's going and you got to try to capitalize as best as you can so I wanted to do that um, and I thought that I could do well um, and so did they so anyways long story short I ended up making the move to Austin and I knew where my holes were like I knew where my weaknesses were um, I talked to John a little bit about it and he kind of told me okay you, like I had a really ba big weakness in leg lock defense so I was getting then that transition to no gi um, that was kind of like a big hole in my game so I knew I had to put a lot of emphasis in that I think for me what made the most difference was one knowing what my weaknesses were training consistently but also my intentionality with my training like every day I had an intention with what I wanted to do I had kind of a I didn't write it down or anything but I had kind of like I knew in my head what my short-term goals were what my long-term goal was what my goal was a year from from the day that I moved which was ADCC um, and I hadn't even qualified yet at that point I moved like three or four weeks before the trials so I trained for about three weeks, did the trials and won. So then from then on out, I knew that my long-term goal was, or I guess my goal for a year uh, down the road was ADCC. Um, so just, I had kind of like my short-term goals and my long-term goals sort of in my head in the, I knew the ballpark of them. And when I would train, I would train every day with some sort of intention like today I really want to work on hitting this or I really want to work on you know putting myself in really deep uh, leg entanglements or whatever the case may be um, also anything that I would learn that was new I would try to immediately like that that day apply it so that I'm testing it under like you said, like under a fully resistant opponent, I'm testing it under strength. And I went through levels of that where I was like working on things with guys that were maybe not as good as me. And then I would work my way up the ladder and try them until I would be eventually hitting them on the better guys. So the main thing I think was just like powering through that initial like frustration and like failure. And just, I never lost sight. I was never, I never lost sight of the goal and I was never intimidated by like my failure like I never let it let me down I'm high, like I said I was like I'm hyper competitive so whenever I mess something up like if I lose a position I'm just like I gotta fix that mm -hmm. like I'm just like I get pissed I think about it all the time and so for me it was like whatever whenever I would fail like whether it was a competition or in practice what I would what I would identify as a failure I would not be let it intimidate me or like bring me down it would just make me want to like I was like until I perfect this I'm never gonna stop thinking about it um, so that I think was what made me progress very quickly and i was able to on a weekly basis track my progress it's like it's like compounding interest like if you you add to it it just starts to kind of go up and up the more you add to it the bigger it gets and the faster yeah. it grows so um it all comes back to like as long as you stay with it because you'll you'll lose it too you know so I had to stay training. Yeah. I mean, gra grappling is a perishable skill. It's not, you remember how to ride the bike, mm -hmm. but it's, it's not so intuitive as I'm going to timing to it. Yeah. yeah there's there's a lot of timing, a lot of conditioning. Yeah. Um, 
the you know mat conditioning goes away so fast. You you can be a great athlete. Um, you know we were doing. Satoshi was getting getting ready for for a fight, and Roy was getting ready for a fight. And I stay in really really good shape, training six days a week, grappling four days a week. And but when I when I just dropped into their fight camp, I was not in fight shape. These are like very different things. Yeah. And um and the timing was you know where Satoshi could just put me on the mat when he wanted and how much effort I had to use to get back up for him just to return me to the mat again, all timing things. Obviously he's like wicked good, yeah. but it was really frustrating. Cause like I could see it, but I was a half a second late to respond to it. And now I'm like fighting my way back up with a 250 pound, massive handed headed Japanese dude on top yeah. of me. What's uh, Salo has a saying about that, right? Like if you, if you think you're late, yeah. you're late, use muscle if you use muscle you're tired you get tired you die yeah it's like it's true it all um for me i knew i was getting better especially in certain areas when i was making conscious decisions under a live setting um and i don't know if you could probably speak to this in your like area of expertise i've never gotten like shooting with you or anything yet but i'm tomorrow sure. yeah I'll fix let's that. go okay yeah. i'm there all day nine <laughs> to three um, but i'm sure that I can tell just based upon like I've taken classes with Matt Smith. I've talked to him extensively about a bunch. I've bombarded him with a million questions. There's a you know the why of what you're doing um, that makes a huge difference. Like yeah. that kind of separates you. So I'm sure it's the same with and Matt. The, you heard of the OODA loop? Yeah, of course. Yeah. So it, making those conscious decisions in real time while you're grappling under under duress under physical stress, under like pretty extraordinary circumstances. I mean, that that's a testament to kind of like where your mental and physical level is at, right? Yeah. So you're, you're in a match with another top 10 athlete on the planet and you're consciously making decisions of, okay, if I arm drag him here, I'm going to get around to his hip. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's wild. First of all, that's happening in ten ten of thousandths of a second. Mm -hmm. And then you're like the neuro... So you have this fatty tissue that goes from your brain to the muscles. It's called myelin. And like what, what is muscle memory is, isn't really real. It's actually just your body's adaptation to doing something frequently enough where you become proficient and effective and efficient at it. And you're consciously working through and breaking down these problems and positions and timing in such a fast, rapid rate that you know, me getting in there, me just being a tenth, a hundredth of a second behind you, I'm already going to be getting submitted. You know, like, that is, a, that is a really, really cool thing. What are you looking at over here? Oh. Clicking. <laughs> yeah, it's cool. It's fun, too. And then and the higher up the kind of, like, skill level you go, the more that those little margins make a difference. Yeah. Um, so I can tell instantly when I'm like, oh, I made the wrong choice yeah. like when I'm doing something, you know, <laughs> you could just feedback. tell immediately, even before something bad happens, you're like, oh shit, this is not good. I'm going to have to like pull myself out of this pickle like yeah. pretty quickly. Yeah. So we got a big kids program. You're, you, you teach jujitsu 10, 15 times a week. You train yeah. 10, 15 times a week. I do two jujitsu sessions a day, seven days a week. Um, so 14 sessions a week. Um, and I teach twice a day here um, in the evenings. Six days a week. Six days a week. Or so five days a week. 
Okay. Yeah. So 10, you're teaching 10 sessions minimum a week. Yeah. And then you're on the mats, 14 sessions a week. Yeah. Like where is too much? Where's uh, a point of diminishing returns? Where, where, where is actually like negative effect? Yeah. For me, the, um, the, when the training, and this has changed for me over the years in the beginning of most of the training is a lot of it's physical, you know, you're, you're training hard, but you can only, there are only, there's only so much hard physical training that you can do before your body breaks down. So I think for me, most of the training now is mental in terms of like acquiring knowledge, converting that knowledge into skill. And I get hard rounds, but I'm very, um, again, intentional with when I pick my rounds. We do a lot of positional sparring, as you know. So I'm when I'm when I'm doing, say, a turtle round or a mount round or uh, a leg lock round or whatever the case is, or even when we're doing just a, like a live wrestling round, I'm intentional with who I'm doing my rounds with because I, I know that within that, that sector of the game, I need to be either working on a specific skill or I need to be pushing myself a little bit more physically. So there's going to be times where when I do a wrestling round I'm trying to choose the toughest guy to wrestle in the room because I need that extra push there's other times where I'm like I need to work on my arm drag or my foot sweeps am I going to re really be able to go against like the biggest strongest best guys in the room and hit foot sweeps that I've never hit before no like realistically so I gotta have pick somebody else where the training might not be as physical, but it's going to be exhausting mentally. And it's going to be also exhausting physically because you don't have that timing. You don't have that precision. You don't have the ability to set it up as well. So you're going to, you're, that lack of efficiency makes you work harder physically. And what makes you more efficient is knowing how to set up the moves and how to time them uh, properly and, and just knowing how to actually do the move properly. So you kind of, work past that initial physical um, struggle through trying to harness and, and, and work on that skill. And then ultimately, it just you just become so efficient at it that it doesn't feel physical. It yeah. feels kind of effortless. So your timing is on. And, and uh, so that's kind of how I balance training. I, try, uh, I train seven days a week. So if I'm tired, I will pick do a little bit of a lighter session, but I try not to miss training. Um, just because I like it, like I just one of my favorite things to do in life is just train. Like I just like being in the gym, yeah. um, and also I don't want to miss out. Like I only have a small window that I can be an athlete in my life, so I'm sure later on I will still train. But I like now's the time that I can't yeah. like miss it. You know? Yeah. The um, as in addition to martial arts being a superpower, I also think it is the most restorative thing that somebody can do. Yeah. Um, it is good for the soul. It's good for the body. Like we tell people that come and train with us that sweat heals pain. Mm -hmm. You know, like we, we have lots of people that come and they, they've, they, they have trauma from whether it's prior assaults or, you know, they're coming to a sheepdog response course or even on the jujitsu mats, you know, you, um, maybe known to you or unbeknownst to like, I know some of the students that, that you have, um, have some serious ass assault backgrounds. And, um, and I told them come here, sweat, struggle, yeah. and it heals it. 100%. Yeah. I'm big on that too. Um, some people don't like to go through that first part to get the mm -hmm. gratification at yeah. the end. Um, but that, I think that's the most challenging thing is just going through that first 
part of like struggle, sweat, suffer, and then feel better. Yep. <laughs> struggle, sweat, suffer, feel better. That's a yeah. good, good analogy. Yeah. So you have, you, sh you know, we opened a brand new gym. We had 150 white belts every quarter, every seven, I don't know, four, somewhere between four to six months, you have a new academy yeah. of, uh, of, let's say, 100 recruits. How many of them have any percentage-wise proper martial arts or grappling background? So for a bigger class, like 100, you're going to have maybe like one or two to three that have done like boxing or Muay Thai or kickboxing or something like that probably one or two that like wrestled in high school or college and then you'll have like one or two that did like some traditional martial art and not really know what Whoa. they're doing and then you'll get like one or two jujitsu so you're talking like out of 100 maybe 10 12 people total uh usually that have some type of you're scaring me because that is not yeah so that's a lot to take someone from nothing and build them up Th that's, to a point. that's a lot to take um uh a group of, of nothing and get them to a point of at least proficient. But that is also not a, sub, a subset of the general regular population. This is a hundred people that have a heart for service that wanted to, to be in here, yeah. that wanted to be part of, you know, a, a contributing protector of society. Like that is not a regular person in the first place. Mm -hmm. So then when you take a, a, you blow that up to a thousand regular people, you have none. Yeah. Maybe one, two. And we push it just like we have been here. Like, hey, you need to find a gym. You need to train. Like, here's all the benefits. Here's how we live our lives. And some of them take it. Some of them don't. Uh, yeah. So it's like you said, it's a, a little bit at a time, you know, just spreading the good word. I know you got to go train. Um, what, you, what you just said, I think, is, is a really important thing that a lot of people take for granted it's a lifestyle we eat clean not not so we're just the best on the mat that we can be but also that mm -hmm. you know but also to like to be a better healthier person um i'm i'm now on the mats i'm eating better my stress is low because i'm eating better and i'm on the mats so i'm sleeping better i'm sleeping better i'm on the mats i'm eating better my sex life is better because I look better. I'm in better shape. I can do radder things. I'm flexible. I have endurance, you know, like it gets radder. So like now I'm having my sex life is better. My sleep life is better. My nutrition is better. My mat time is better. And back to the compounding interests yeah. where like we're on a true exponential J curve of right. everything's getting better. Yeah. Everything about my life. Now I take that and I apply it to other areas of my life, whether as an entrepreneur or working, um, you know, volunteering philanthropically for different organizations, I get to have more volume of work that I can contribute. Mm -hmm. And as long as I'm being really disciplined with my use of time, yeah. I'm able to like affect so much more because I'm taking that hard work, consistency and discipline equals insert anything that you want and you get it. Yeah. Yeah. It trickles into all the other uh, aspects of your life. Yeah. And the more you do it, the more you can do and kind of yeah. goes the from there. More you can do, the more you do, the more you do, the more you have, the more you yeah. have, the more you can do. And then just like, yeah. yeah, you know that and being able to insert anything at the end of that, I don't want to get bullied anymore. I don't want to get assaulted. I don't want to be depressed. Um, those are fixes, which martial arts does fix. But after it's, like you said, that initial struggle, 
once you get through those, that initial suffering, then it's not fixing something. Then it's just making your life better. Yeah. Yeah. And you can't stop either. No. Because coming back <laughs> is fucking hard. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know, if, you, if you ever had an injury, like coming back is hard. Obviously, when you're injured, you want to train the whole time. But if you stop for whatever reason, just because you're lazy or a lot of people say like life gets in the way, which might might be true. But a lot of times it's an excuse for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, coming back is hard. No matter how hard you want. To. I, I was literally shooting him today with this pouty face as they're having a lot of fun on the mats, and I'm and I'm here on a on a bike. I'm yeah, doing that's rough. I'm doing push-ups. <laughs> that's rough. I'm doing squats, but not too deep to hurt a hamstring because I'm a baby. John Carlo Bodoni, where do people find you at? What are what are your socials? My social is just John Carlo Bodoni on Instagram, Facebook. Um, YouTube, I have a YouTube channel. Um, you can find me there or you can find me here uh, every day at uh, Gracie Amaita, Sheepdog Response. Awesome. Give him a follow. He is, uh, it's not just, his life is fun. Um, you get to ride. When we had your welcome home party after your win, you know, like, yeah. we're coattail riders, you know, not feeling the elation and the success of all your hard work. It, it is so contagious, um, to the whole gym just wants to be like you, yeah. you know, they want to put the time in, they want to put the work in, they want to put in the discipline in, they want to put the consistency in. Um, so thank you for that. Thank you. Yeah. That actually felt better almost than like actually winning, like for myself, like winning is for you. But when you see that, like I'm getting goosebumps thinking about walking into the yeah. gym that day and everybody like there, there's a hundred they're standing room some only pictures of it yeah hundred people packed yeah. all the kids were lined up to give them a high five yeah. Yeah. every kid for every person from that has ever taken a night class they were here and um we had like the big screen playing with with him just smashing all these people at adcc um but he was like the center he was he was in the center of the room a cool video was him being in the center of the room and there was like he was a black hole. Everything was this. He was the center of gravity. Everybody <laughs> wanted to be close. Everybody wanted to touch him. Everybody wanted to talk to him. And it was so awesome to know that that is because of martial arts. That is because of your consistency and your hard work. And I um, think how many people that motivates. Like, I, and I'll say like some of the people I work with go to his classes and you know, they're sharing your videos like, Oh, he just won this match. And like, this is our professor, he, you know, and like you could tell their motivation and energy level off of like your performance is just like going through the roof. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. awesome to see. So it's uh John is setting up shop permanently in Austin. Yes. Um, Jim is in North Austin. What, as you said, uh, Gordon has asked, asked you to come and train with you initially. Like this is like Puerto Rico Years days. Ago, yeah. 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 Um, you know, you and, and Gordon and Gary and so, like even big Dan and, and, um, Griffin, like, you guys have the magic right now. Yeah. And there's, uh, yeah. there's people wanting to get part of that. Yeah. What, what does it look like to be able to have an invite? Um, How does that work? That's a good question. It's, it's informal. Just, I would say just show up and uh, like right now they're teaching classes at Ahenzo Gracie Austin. I know the school is projected to be three months soon. Yeah. I'm not sure the exact time frame, but um, the crew that's going to be doing it is here right, right. now. Yeah. So it's pretty much here. a construction thing. Um, and then, um, just wherever it is, or if it's, I guess by the time this comes out, um, and pro will probably be, be pretty close ready to go. Yeah. Um, just show up 
and uh, just show up. Yeah, just show up. Okay. And uh, see what happens. <laughs> you know, I mean, I know. What I guess happens. it all depends on. Uh, uh, yeah, it all you depends know, on your. Uh, uh, you can come with me next Monday. Let's do it. Yeah, come by anytime. It's bad. They're all good. Oh, I know. <laughs> I see. I've seen. All right, give Giancarlo a follow. Um, if you have any questions about martial arts, go into the comment section and ask them away. If um, you want to know what it feels like to not be a loser, start doing martial arts. <laughs> Just kidding. No, stay safe, stay free. Thank you for uh, joining us for the About Violence podcast. And martial arts is a superpower.